0: Welcome to Outrage and Optimism. I'm Tom Rickkarnack.
1: I'm Cristiana Figueres.
0: I'm Paul Dickinson. And I'm Andrew Hyam. This week, we talk in this bonus episode about the great regeneration and the phenomenon that is Mission 2020. Thanks for being here. So, thanks for joining us today. And I have to start. I know that just recently we had a kind of Paris five year anniversary episode thing. But, Christiana, I have to start by reminding you, and you may have forgotten, that five years ago. I did
1: not forget. (laughs) I know what you're going to say. I did not forget. Carry on.
0: Let me remind the listeners, nevertheless. Five years ago, when the Paris Agreement was adopted, a wonderful, joyful day. we ended up going to a party. Paul Dickinson, of course, spent the entire night listening to statements from the floor of the UNFCCC. I,
2: I got to the party just in time to hear <laughs> Christiana arrive and this glorious roar of a million unbelievably happy people. That's true. That's true. And and um, and um, then we all got to bed at like 4 o'clock
0: in the morning and three years, th- three years later, that's what it felt like, three hours later, I I got a phone call from Christiana Figueres saying... Tom, it's so amazing. We did it. It's fantastic. We got the Paris Agreement and now we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to facilitate implementation. We need to do all these other things. And I seem to remember turning the volume down on my phone and just sort of sitting back and smiling and being thrilled that it was so exciting, but needing more sleep at that moment. Do you remember that?
1: Yes. Well, I did not know that you were turning your volume down. I'm so glad that you are publicly admitting that. Uh, when I was at the height of my enthusiasm, right, we had just barely adopted the Paris Agreement and now we have to do everything actually to get it done. And this is so exciting. So get up out of the bed, you lazy bum, and get to work. And then you turn the <laughs> volume down on me.
2: I'm, I, I'm you sure can, You can definitely see both sides of this. I'm you sure the it, listeners like, are on my side. Of yeah, view, yeah. Yeah. You can see it from Tom's point of view, right? <laughs> I'm torn, I'm torn. The, I'm, anyway. wait,
1: wait a second. The lucky person here is Andrew Hyam. Because Andrew had been working his tail off for, Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say three years, but certainly for the last year, holding the pen on the writing of the Paris Agreement, orchestrating a huge team of experts at the Secretariat to be able to support government representatives who were desperately trying to write this. So the lucky person is Andrew that I did not know his hotel number <laughs> to call him because his phone was definitely off because he hadn't slept yeah. in weeks.
0: Maybe you tried him first. That's entirely possible. So so in the midst of all of this, Andrew Hyam, who listeners may not know who Andrew is, but he's mm. going to introduce himself in a minute, is a very dear friend of all of ours. And as what Christiana said, He was the man who, behind everything, was actually drafting the Paris Agreement for all these years. When I was at the UN doing a whole range of different things to leverage political strategy, I was basically doing what Andrew told me to do around what was necessary to to reach the agreement. And Andrew, welcome, first of all, to Outrage and Optimism. It's too long that we have been running this podcast to have not had you on. We are so thrilled that you're here today.
3: Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Tom and um, Paul and Christiana. Thank you very much. Uh, actually, um, if I remember correctly, um, there was quite a lot of champagne flowing that evening. And uh, <laughs> yes, my phone was on, Christiana. And I think um, it was. Uh, it, oh, sorry. Could, I just have to deal with the dog.
2: Hang on. For a <laughs> What is it with it's, dogs today, Franz So Timmerman, I suggest we like, drop
0: Franz Timmerman's dog into Andrew Hyam, and just every guest has Franz Timmerman's dog in the background for a bit. Apologies, I'm 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 sorted now.
1: Andrew, we've had we've been having dogs bomb our recording all day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was looking at a beautiful photo um, the other day of with um, all sorts of amazing people in it from the the floor just before the adoption and um, Nick Stern was the photo bomber in that particular photo (laughs)
0: with Al Gore.
1: I was looking at a photograph of the uh, podium uh, with you, Andrew, standing right there at my right shoulder and I thought, what a perfect placement for Andrew because truly you were the right shoulder, the right hand to this Incredible effort, and without your orchestration, without your patience, your skill, your wisdom, uh, and the way that you uh, brought together the team at the Secretariat that uh, that was assigned to you for drafting that agreement, uh, we wouldn't have an agreement.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> so
1: let this be a very, very public and very deep deeply felt gratitude to you for, uh, for just an amazing job. I know that every time I walked into the drafting room, no matter if it was 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 10 in the morning, uh, 10 at night, you were there. Uh, you were there and uh, working with whoever was up for their section of the text to ensure the overall coherence of the text. So I have no idea how you had the stamina, uh, but I do know that you had the wisdom to do that. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
3: But Christiana, I wonder what you were thinking at that moment when we were standing up there. I've always wondered, I I was thinking, isn't this amazing how this um, autonomously functions? We get to this outcome, but everyone was moving as one, like one single organism, um and you know the the team that i was running was moving um the text through the system um and and that was an important piece but there were so many other moving parts at the same time and i suppose for me that was what i took away from that moment was this notion of collaboration on that grand scale it's phenomenal and to be able to try to replicate that um that's what i've been really intrigued by
4: mm.
1: Yeah, well, Tom and I have a going exercise about how to describe that. So my way of describing is interdependent arising, that Tom will immediately have an alternative. It's
0: codependent origination, actually, is the <laughs> correct
2: term. <laughs> but any-
1: Either way, it is the concept that uh, so many things happen at different levels, at different points, um, and they're all interdependent, they're all mutually Um, mutually beneficial. And none of them is direct, certainly not all of them are directed by any one person or any one part of the system, but they all interdependent, they all arise when you create the ground that is fertile enough for them. They all arise and they are all mutually supportive. And I have never seen a confirmation of that concept as powerful and as compelling, as you say, as that moment when the gavel went down.
5: Hmm.
0: Now, I I completely agree with that. And I remember that moment. And apart from sort of admiring, really, your sweater vest, Andrew, which was a great sartorial choice for that moment when you were in front of the entire world media. I thought that was beautiful. Um, I would also just point out that um, after that, you... Um, And and this goes back to the beginning of this conversation when Christiana and I were talking about the moment after Paris when she phoned me, uh, probably because she couldn't get to you, about what was necessary subsequent to Paris. What that ended up being was Mission 2020, which was a global collective effort to reach the turning point on climate by 2020. And you very generously took up the mantle of leading that effort so I'd like to just ask you to sort of talk about the spirit of that and what that's meant to you, because of course it's in the name, right? Tell us about what that was and what it meant to you and why it was the next logical step from what you were doing in creating the Paris Agreement.
3: Well, I mean, I think that at that moment, um, clearly we we we'd got the agreement. That was great, but we as I think that was the reason for the call, right? Christiana called you. We needed now to implement it. But for me, it was also um, the the deal wasn't really done because there was a promise made in Durban when we started that whole pro- process of negotiating to the most vulnerable that we would bend the curve in global emissions. And we do that um, by 2020. And for me, Mission 2020 was a way of um, being true to that promise. But more than that, I think it was a way of taking that spirit of that adoption moment and mm. bringing that into um, the way that we work um, for the period leading up to 2020. So that kind of spirit of um, the collective, the,
0: I suppose it's this idea of radical collaboration, Yeah, um, but en masse. And the radical collaboration in Mission 2020 was around how the climate movement can cooperate and collaborate towards a shared goal in a kind of collective. And I've seen you do this kind of behind the scenes over the last few years with Mission 2020 to kind of orchestrate the various different players for their own benefit to work towards a common goal. Um, And it's been beautiful to see how that can happen. Where do you think we are five years later? Do you think we've reached the turning point? I think we've reached the turning point as as a
3: political matter, and I think that we're pretty close spiritually, if you like, in terms of the way that this community affects change. I think we're pretty close to that point. The real test will be, I think, as we go through this next um, year, uh, whether we can really um, reach a point where the boundaries of organisations are not really what what matters, it's the um, The outcomes that uh, what driving, uh, what driving and motivating people, Um, and I think that there's a there's also now that we see, uh, for example, um, the investment community coming in such a big way, and they are really permeating right across the action field. um, There are these more transversal um, uh, actors that are starting to force collaboration Mm. um, in in new ways. So. Um, I, I see that happening, but um, still it's very hard to get out of that uh, organizational mindset and um, and still, I think um, that is a, a big pull back um, to um, to sort of a mindset where um, of of scarcity rather than of abundance. Mm.
0: So so I would invite you and I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but you know mission 2020, I would say maybe. In the long arc of history, if we look back in like 20, 30 years, you look back as an early example of the kind of organization that moves beyond the boundaries of an organization. It exists to benefit the collective and to lift the collective up. And if you were to sort of leave that with some advice as to how that type of organization can be successful in the future, what would you say you've learned?
3: Well, We've tried to capture the essence of, um, of what um, that type of function looks like and, and we've, tr- we've called it the prelude to the great regeneration. And I think um, there are a number of elements there. One of them is um, compassion. Mm. Um, it, it's very, very important, I think, that, um, that, that we are um, humble um, in the way that we um, take on this responsibility and work with others. Um, I think there's uh, there's a need um, uh, for that function to be performed in an incredibly inclusive way. I mean, it, if you think about it, there are hundreds of thousands uh, of people working um, to solve the climate crisis, mm. and uh, and we really need to see every single person who's a part of that mission. Being um, working uh, together, and 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 I th- I think that the idea of Mission Twenty Twenty ending at the end of this year, um, I think the the concept uh, of of Mission Twenty Thirty, if you like, we're all now on that mission together.
5: Hmm.
2: You know, I'm, I'm reminded hearing you talk, Andrew, about uh, Christiana's TED talk where she spoke about optimism leading to people recognizing economic advantage driving technology uh you know the 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 benefits of action and then critically broad participation leading to this common direction of travel and i think we're probably all learning and it's beautiful to hear you talk about you know the, the next 10 years we're all learning how we can participate in that uh in that shared enterprise, that shared experience. I actually heard you talk about it, Andrew, saying no one knew they were working as a team, yet because of the direction the strategy was so clear and deeply embedded, it functioned just like a high-performance team. For me, that was radical collaboration in its highest expression. And I think as we go forward, maybe 5% of the world economy now is working on climate change. Soon it'll be 10%. It's And in a sense, it touches the 100%. And, and you know, we are the 100% of this. this just... Glorious new movement, and and we're just getting to know ourselves, I guess. Yeah, Paul, it's beautiful the way that you've described it. I think um,
0: we will get
3: to. Don't, 100%. don't encourage
0: him too much. I just request, please, but yes, carry on. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think we we are getting to um, to levels of participation, um, and I was reading recently this um, a publication that has been produced on. Um, the Paris effect. And mm. part of the effect here is um, uh, it's built into the DNA of the Paris Agreement as well, right? I mean, this idea that we're all in was very much uh, part of um, the the way that the Paris Agreement was constructed. Um, to see the way that the um, investment community is responding to the Paris Agreement um, by adopting essentially the Article 2.1c, which asks all financial institutions to align with with the agreement. And they're doing that. Um, and I think uh, we see that right across the board. Um,
2: getting to the individual level is, um, is is really the next sort of challenge, I suppose. Kind of count us in. But no, no the Paris effect, as you uh, so beautifully call it, Andrew, is, is actually the name of our 11th of December podcast. So, yeah. Um, Christiane, did you? Did you
1: remember yeah, your I just want to Andrew? bring um, Andrew back, to because, um, Andrew, you just mentioned uh, regeneration and the prelude, and I wanted to invite you to expand a little bit about that, because it is such a gift. From Mission 2020 efforts that is being pulled t- together here to um, really poetically, poetically, and musically bring, put words into the vision that we have for the next 10 years. And that is beginning to be contagious to everyone, perhaps not quite as poetically to everyone. Some people are looking at their numbers and their spreadsheets and their balance sheets. Um, but underneath all of that, underneath all of that, there is this vision, this imagining the future, as Mission 2020 has called it, of what we need to do and who we need to be and how we need to be in order to be able to have our missions. But it's not just about the numbers, right? It's about who we are and how we do ourselves in the world.
3: Yeah, Christiana, I think this has been a really tough year for so many people. And it's also been a most magical year at the same time. And we really feel like um, we're on the we're on the edge of something very, very special as we go into next year, and seeing the um, uh, the, the commitments that have come through um, over the last few months. I mean, clearly we have reached the turning point, in from a, as a political matter, and we've bent the curve in global emissions, um, and we we really need to see that moving now down on that rapid, you know, seven eight uh, uh, percentage points each year. Um, but um, I think it's the spirit um, that comes through now. And, um, and that's what we, we, what we mean by this. We talk about the regeneration. So, you know, it's not uh, Generation X, it's not Generation Y, it's not Generation Z, it's the, it's the regeneration that, that is really going to take um, this challenge on now and, and, uh, and succeed in this decade ahead. Um, you know and we we have tried to listen through hundreds of conversations this year about what that really means for change makers across the field and we've tried to bring it together into a, a piece of prose um, which i suppose describes um, the the essence of um, the movement the climate movement that's going to succeed in this in this decisive decade ahead so it um it it tries to capture um, the heart um, of, of what it will take. Um, and, you know, it goes through and, and sort of describes um, the need for compassion, um, the need to be welcoming um, and to really embrace um, diversity. Um, it, it also, I think, really um, recognises that uh, as ac- as activists working on climate, we also need... Um, to, um, uh, to support other social movements um, and uh, uh, talking about making sure that when we talk about climate that we're doing it in a way which is very accessible um, and uh, using language which um, is not jargony but also um, uh, speaking in the languages um, that people uh, speak in. So we will publish um, this final uh, piece um, called the Prelude to the Great Regeneration in eight different languages.
0: Mm.
1: Well, that is beautiful, and and you've actually just released that, um, Andrew. And uh, I, I would very much encourage our listeners to to look it up um, and to follow the text because it is a beautifully, beautifully penned text, a collectively penned text um, that uh, that some of the mission. 2020 um friends are actually going to read for us here on the podcast
0: andrew thank you thank you for joining us thank you for everything over the years thank you for your friendship and your mentorship um it's been amazing what you've achieved both at the unf c and here in mission 2020
2: thank you for holding that pen the agreement is but at the output of that pen
1: Thank you for continuing to hold a different pen after to 2015. Andrew, it's, it's a more ethereal pen, if you will, uh, to to help so many stakeholders to continue to write the history of humanity here.
2: And the future on the stars.
1: <laughs>
2: Thank you, everyone.
1: Thank you. and shall we listen to, uh, to some of the mission 2020? friends are reading the different stanzas of the prelude.
3: It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. Come, fill the cup and the fire of spring, your winter garment of repentance fling. The bird of time has but a little way to flutter, and the bird is on the wing. Omar Khayyam.
6: Tuning in to people from around the world and hearing them talk about the time we were living through is not dissimilar to the beginning of Charles Dickens' famous novel, A Tale of Two Cities. For many, as well as disease, devastation and despair. It's also a time of beginnings, awakening and change, of historic opportunity to make a difference. The Prelude to a Great Regeneration harnesses a diverse set of visions for the decade ahead, gathered during a broad listening exercise in 2020. Woven through the rich difference, of visions, hopes, and dreams for the future is a common desire for something altogether new to emerge from this moment. Something kinder, something braver. We will be the regeneration. We will make this decisive decade a decade of extraordinary and great regeneration.
7: Compassionate. Existing as we do in a time of great transformation. Without the perspective of hindsight, it's impossible to know how much further there is to go or exactly what the tipping points for change will be. It's easy, even necessary to make mistakes in the pursuit of answers, solutions and breakthroughs. None of us are immune and it will be easy to become distracted, get lost or go wrong. Being part of the Great Regeneration means allowing for and supporting each other through our mistakes with deep compassion and empathy. Moral leadership from all of us in the decade ahead may turn out to be even more important than the systems changes and technological advances that we know we need to. Accepting the mud as necessary for flowers of great beauty to bloom, we will nurture each other and ourselves as we chart our way through with love.
4: Welcoming. It is much easier to reflect what those closest to us think or prioritize in our work than it is to draw near to those with different approaches. While each of us has our own particular role to play, joining the regeneration means making a sincere effort to learn from those who are different from us. New ideas and different approaches don't make the establishment irrelevant. The system is infinitely complex and subject to change itself. Diversity is essential to any ecosystem and nothing any of us accomplish is achieved without the help of others. Collaboration creates abundance and benefit for everyone. New ideas and communities can flourish, while respect is maintained for ideas and institutions that have been painstakingly and passionately matured over decades. And common ground can be found between those who disagree. Being part of the Great Regeneration means respectfully challenging existing viewpoints and welcoming new perspectives. Building trust with openness and honesty is critical. Movements for change and communities and geographies that are most vulnerable and have the least capacity or power to influence decisions that impact their lives need to be empowered and heard. This means taking the time to listen to, understand and amplify these voices. It means committing to amplify, engage with, and celebrate events that stem from different cultures, different generations, or different ways of approaching consensus-building and activations to our own. In the Great Regeneration, dedicated resources for training and recruitment that help people to understand cultural or different generational sensitivities challenge previously accepted wisdom and are prioritized and massively expanded. We will be generous with our knowledge, assets, and connections. We'll be prioritizing new alliances, which bring different kinds of groups together, giving more people of all ages agency and a seat at the table.
8: Accessible. The wealth of data and analysis regarding the states of the ecological and climate emergencies is too often inaccessible to billions of people. Excellent scientific, economic, and social research is rarely reported on or translated in ways that speak to how people experience these crises in their daily lives. Meanwhile, indigenous communities' teachings, based on a profound understanding of nature, are too often ignored. The result is that the majority of people on our planet, including our politicians, are unaware of the scale of the crisis currently facing humanity. For those who are aware, many are still asking the question, what can I do to make a difference? In the Great Regeneration, experts join forces with communicators to help simplify jargony language so that more people can hear and understand their messages and be moved to action. Significant investments are made in communicating the best available research and data in ways that are graspable. Today, Excellent content that can guide us all, including information tailored to CEOs, mayors, investors, and politicians to deliver on the Paris Agreement and the Sustainable Development Goals, is being produced around the globe, much of which is not being translated into other languages, including English and vice versa. In the Great Regeneration, content is made available in as many languages as possible, and people everywhere are more comfortable interacting with each other multilingually by harnessing the power of technology that now makes this possible. For those who cannot safely access relevant content or express their ideas or pursuits in words or traditional protest, other forms of communication such as arts, music, and theater are prioritized and better supported so that they also foster shifts in understanding in behavior and in policy while the space for protests is either non-existent or shrinking in some parts of the world funders are allocating more resources to protect ngos in those places this enables those ngos and other community leaders to make information about the climate and ecological crises available and to create safe spaces for their audiences to consume that information and lead in their own ways We're inspired by the new leaders emerging and finding their voice in the movement for great regeneration. They've understood the crisis we are in and making it relevant in a beautiful variety of ways, bringing in new energy and light.
9: Political, without political will, halving emissions and actively restoring our natural world will be orders of magnitude more difficult. So, where it is safe to do so, the regeneration is speaking up, making sure its voice is heard by the media and in the corridors of power. Campaigners and cultural leaders are connected to political intelligence and strategic communications support, rapidly expanding the voice for action. Citizens are being consulted in the development of policies and plans, and crucially, ministers who have the enormous responsibility of crafting and helping implement policy that will deliver systemic change are supported by an ever-growing number of people and institutions in their countries. They have a strong mandate to reflect and further inspire the ambition of individuals and non-state actors already moving towards a regenerative future. Coalitions that prioritise the safeguarding of our climate, our natural environment and ecosystems and the livelihoods of our most vulnerable populations are supporting and even beginning to hold political power across all countries and decision-making arenas. New forms of direct and highly skilled lobbying for corporate and policy change that match and then overwhelm the muscle long deployed by groups working to extend the fossil fuel-based economy of the last century are properly funded. In the great regeneration, funders and leaders from all walks of life are actively encouraging and supporting the mass expansion of peaceful, civil disobedience and winning the hearts of minds of many more citizens. The result is rapidly growing support for moving beyond fossil fuel and deforesting dependent incentives and economies.
10: Accountable. Companies and governments around the world are already stepping up their commitments and goals to address the climate and ecological crises as part of a race to net zero emissions. These various commitments, pledges, goals and targets are highly motivating, but progress will not be made on time if only a fraction of their promises are delivered upon. In the decade ahead, there is a definite shift towards being disciplined about delivering those commitments, ensuring they fit within the planetary boundaries, and honestly holding each other to account so that they are overachieved. In particular, more attention is paid to recognizing previous failures to account for social and racial justice in proposed solutions to the climate and ecological crises. Putting principles of equity at the heart of efforts towards great regeneration means ensuring that proposed solutions do not unintentionally undermine the people they are designed to benefit. Special attention is also being paid to those using the legal system to hold companies and governments accountable for their actions or inaction and to challenge policy or precedents that are holding us back from a great regeneration. Meanwhile, innovative leaders and policymakers prioritizing regenerative policy, business, or investment models are fully supported by the legal system, and shareholders acting as responsible owners are actively engaging with the companies they are invested in to ensure company boards and executives switch quickly away from unsustainable practices to ones that improve planetary and human health.
5: Interdependent. Mitigating and adapting to climate change, including efforts to halve emissions over this decade, and protecting nature, actively safeguarding the diversity and beauty of life, is fully intertwined with our health and human rights. Climate or environmental action can no longer be seen as separate to treating people and ecosystem we are part of fairly. In the coming decade, those dedicated to improving the health of our planet will not be seen as, or see themselves as, separate from the people or places they seek to support. Joining the regeneration means fully recognizing our interdependence we are inseparable from nature and working hard to fix the broken relationships we have with each other. To strengthen relationships in the decisive decade, the regeneration is securing positions of power inside companies, governments and communities, not just in their own institutions. This means pursuing different working styles that make the most of the plentiful pool of talent, including secondments or fragmenting work weeks to dedicate time to more than one institution or cause. This assists with the cross-pollination of ideas, messaging and action. It fosters multi-solving approach. And in the great regeneration, individuals and organizations have started to push past silos and old power structures that have sometimes positioned those working in service of the same goal as competitors. Funders are encouraging and enabling radical collaboration, sharing of resources, and by virtue, an abundance of benefit for all. We, the regeneration, will pursue alignment, compassion, and empathy with those who are currently distant from us physically, ideologically, and biologically.
11: Exciting. When it comes to the enormous scale of innovation needed to improve the quality of life for all on this planet, to clean our air and water, to safeguard the climate and protect our life-giving ecosystems, what we have set out to achieve is unprecedented. It has all the hallmarks of the ultimate adventure story. We're going to need heroes and daring, moral integrity and endurance in the face of perilous odds. It will be thrilling, suspenseful, frightening and empowering. There are very few examples in existence today that demonstrate the vision, pace or scale of change we're going to need on the journey ahead. We've seen glimpses, including the Great Green Wall of Africa, the restoration of the lowest plateau in China and the development of vaccinations against Covid-19. But the most commonly cited is the generation of electricity from our closest star, the Sun. In 2001, the world installed 290 megawatts of solar generating capacity. Today, the biggest solar plant in the world alone, Tenga Desert Solar Park in China, generates 1,547 megawatts. In 2020, the world will probably install more than 100 gigawatts of solar, about 350 times more than it did 19 years ago. Something deemed impossible two decades ago, and still fairly remarkable a decade ago, is now commonplace. The electricity sector has already been completely disrupted, and will continue to radically transform, reaching across other sectors and enabling their transformation too. In the Great Regeneration, adequate capital is allocated to support communities, governments and the private sector to envision, initiate and scale solutions at the pace we need, so they too become transformational and commonplace. Not 10% more of this or that, but 10 times more and 10 times faster than what we have in place right now. This means 10x thinking, including, in but not limited to, soil sequestration of carbon and the recovery of all ecosystems, transforming monoculture agriculture to regenerative agroecological farming practices, empowering girls and young women through education, development and deployment of fossil free energy in concert with energy efficiency measures and a managed phase out of existing fossil based sources and infrastructure technological carbon capture and storage, reforming and strengthening of democratic and multilateral institutions and capital markets, a just transition in all industries and transformation. No one can be allowed to fall through the cracks. The costs of taking big risks on large scale potential solutions to the climate and ecological crises are well understood to be far, far lower than the costs and risks of not thinking big or doing what is necessary. The abundance mindset has been fully unleashed and the well-being of our own and future generations is moving towards the centre of all decision-making. Investors, venture capitalists and funders are comfortable with the inevitable risks that come with developing and supporting all of these opportunities and more at scale and in multi-dimensional ways because that's how to improve the quality of life for all living beings on this planet. Because that's what offers a hopeful future for our children. We're brave. We love and embrace big 10x thinking, pioneering, risk-taking, moving and shaking. Setting big crazy goals is inspiring. It forces people to rethink conventional ways of attacking the problems we face and crucially it attracts talent and influences government.
12: so there you go another bonus episode of outrage and optimism okay a couple quick housekeeping items before i get to the credits we have a listener survey where you can let us know what you would like to hear more about in season three of outrage and optimism uh the link is in the show notes it's a short survey it's a great opportunity for us to hear from you directly our listeners so go fill it out link is in the show notes thank you for doing that And a thank you this week to Mission 2020, and a very special thank you to all Mission 2020 members who read sections of the Prelude. Matilda Mansos, Rajiv Joshi, Andrea Guerrero-Garcia, Todd Edwards, Dean Bialik, Ana Cancelis, Isabel Cabalier, Chloe Revel, and our co-host for this week, Andrew Hyam. So yeah, The Great Regeneration here we are. You can read and share the prelude at the link in the show notes. Okay, we've got an episode coming your way a week from Friday. So hit subscribe and we'll see you then.